So for us, uh, we were youth leaders in a church, my wife and I, and we wanted to change the world. And um, to a degree, a lot of times in churches, you're limited to whatever the leadership is there and what their vision is for things. And um, we wanted to do something bigger. And we believe that if we could help kids, right, uh, teenagers specifically, if we could help teenagers before they get to the place where all this brokenness and dysfunction and drug abuse and just messed up relationships, and messed up family lives and all the things that happens for many teenagers in their lives, if we could stop it there before it happens and empower them and encourage them and educate them to change the world in a way that's different than they were hearing anywhere else, we believe they would be inspired, they would live different lives, they would lead other movements, and we could just be this growing movement that's growing other movements. So here's the big question. Have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder, why didn't they teach me in school? anything about how to manage money. I've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early. I've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and a successful mindset. Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn, but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin, and this is the Money Talkers Podcast. Welcome back, Money Talkers. I have a special guest today named Joseph Aaron, and he's very special to this program for a couple of reasons, but one big one is that um, he's actually worked in the space of helping serve underserved uh, communities with financial education. And so he also has a very entrepreneurial uh, family life um, and also uh, has purchased and scaled up seven-figure businesses to make them multiply quickly. And so we're going to kind of dive into some of these subjects. So first of all, thanks to you for being on Money Talkers. Uh, Joseph. Listen, it's my privilege. Do you call your people Money Talkers? Oh, yeah. If, if you talk about money, you are a Money Talker. And what is up, Money Talkers? <laughs> I am so glad to be here. I'm, I'm stoked to have this conversation. And, and let's talk about some money. Yeah, man. And that's the part of it. Like almost every adult I ever talk to is if uh, they either will say one of two things. One, nobody taught me anything about money in school or two, my parents never talked about money. And so everybody who I've known who's been very successful is generally very open about the subject. And so we want to break that taboo. Absolutely. And, and for me, I, I think as you've read in, in my bio, um, you know, our, our initial nonprofit movement was a nonprofit student movement and it had a faith-based element to it. And not only do you have the challenge of parents who are afraid to talk to their kids about money, but a lot of that is birthed out of some fear or lack of understanding about the, the connection of God and money. And so that's definitely like money is taboo. Then you put God or religion and entrepreneur and money together and it's super taboo. And so um, I, I break all kinds of taboos. <laughs> oh, no, I love that because I, you know, one of the sayings that you hear out there is that people say, you know, uh, money is the root of all evil, but that's not actually what the passages say. Not at all. Right. And so the, I think it's the lust for money is, is the root of all evil. Right. And yeah. so. Um, I think you could, I think you could actually transfer the word money out of there and just pry anything. And then that's going to come where you're going to have problems. But, um, so I want to talk a little bit more, um, about where it kind of started with you in the fact that you were able to bring faith based, um, topics to the subject of money. 
and what your strategy was originally with the nonprofit. So how did you get started in that? So for us, uh, we were youth leaders in a church, my wife and I, and we wanted to change the world. And um, to a degree, a lot of times in churches, you're limited to whatever the leadership is there and what their vision is for things. And um, we wanted to do something bigger. And we believe that if we could help kids, right, uh, teenagers specifically, if we could help teenagers before they get to the place where all this brokenness and dysfunction and drug abuse and just messed up relationships, and messed up family lives and all the things that happens for many teenagers in their lives, if we could stop it there before it happens and empower them and encourage them and educate them to change the world in a way that's different than they were hearing anywhere else, we believe they would be inspired, they would live different lives, they would lead other movements, and we could just be this growing movement that's growing other movements. And that was our dream and that was our vision. And when we started, it blew up. I mean, like immediately, our whole thing was scrap the model, like throw away the old model of how to do things, change the world. Mm -hmm. So I would say scrap the model and the students would be like, change the world, right? And it was this, how do we change the world? And we started doing things inside of our community. And we talked about everything. It wasn't just money. It was, it was life. It was, how do I live my life? What, how big should I dream? Like some, a lot of times if a parent has struggles financially, they place those expectations on their kids. Like they can't break out of it. They're not trying to in most cases, but you'll hear like, you'll hear families, fathers or, or, or mothers tell their children, you know, come back to reality. Don't dream too big. And if I can get one message across to parents about money in this episode, so I'll probably say it more than once, it's that we live in the greatest, most amazing opportunity ever in the history of the world to create more value. And that's really what money is, like creating value in the world. Money is just a measurement of how do I, of what I trade that value for? It's a very spiritual thing, actually. And that, that's kind of the thing. But to answer your question, it was about changing the world. The funny thing is, is in the midst of teaching them about money, teaching them how to dream, change the world, teaching them how to dream big, I was still living with the false belief and the false expectation that because I was doing something good in the world, that God would provide the finances to make that movement happen. And that was a very bad mistake because I'll fast forward to the end of that story. We affected hundreds and hundreds of students' lives. We wanted to grow it in movements all over the country, but we couldn't find a way to finance the dream. I believed that because it was good, that God would help me, that God would drop money from the sky, that God would provide a miracle, right? And the reality is, is God made money and I, I don't want to take it too religious if you don't want to, Cody, but I, in my belief, God made money to make the world better. Like money was a part of God's plan for how to change the world. So for those of you parents out here who are thinking about money, but you have this pull on you, money versus God, and I believe in God, and I don't want my kids too money focused, but at the same time, I want them successful. There's this pull in entrepreneurship between the two. And uh, we can go deeper into that or do, to a different subject, but I believe God purposely made money because the best possible world has money in it. Well, so to tie it in, my thought process is that, so that money is the trade of value, right? And so yeah. if you're increasing value, and it doesn't mean that you're increasing just your, your self-value, but you're also increasing the value in the world, right? And so you're helping, you're solving a problem, you're creating value, you're bringing things to the world, which is a good thing. And then I don't think that like, to me, money is just a tool. And so that would be like saying, well, hammers are the root of all evil. You shouldn't use a hammer to build a house and create value by building a house because 
that's bad. Like money is nothing more than just a simple tool. When you step back from it and it's not an emotional thing, I think it's a lot easier to control because you don't have a, there's people don't say like hammers have a power over me, but they will hear, they will talk about how money has power over them or they don't understand it or they're afraid of it or it's evil, whatever it is. It's nothing different than it's just a value source of, of a measurement. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, in a two minute rant um, of kind of some of the things I talk to the entrepreneurs I help about, um, I would say the very first thing God ever said to humanity, if you believe the creation story is number one, be fruitful. Yeah. The next what's fruit fruit is creating something of value that you can trade in the world. Like if somebody just made fruit, they would still need wood to build their house. Right. So they have to find someone else in the world and they give their apples and that person gives their wood. Right. And they trade to to dip well that all money is is a medium of that trade right and yeah. so the next thing god says is multiply it be fruitful and multiply it well it's like so like make more apples grow more apple tree like continue to add value in the world to make the world better yeah and and for many people they spend their whole lives in the be fruitful category and they're just working 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 but to multiply just just look at nature what you have to do is you have to take some of that value that you receive and reinvest the fruit, right, cash, as seed into the ground in order to multiply it. You have to kind of take the risk and do that. We know that. That's obvious when you get to certain levels of financial ability. But I would but say just, there's also to teach others, right, so that you're, you're, you're being fruitful other than just, you know, the, to, to teach others the, the better way to do things so they don't spend their whole lives doing the same thing in a bad way, too. You creating this show as you being fruitful. You, you getting that information, you're making the world better by helping people remove the pain and suffering that they have. Like, this is why I say it's God's plan for the world to create money because he, we're incentivized to create value. We're incentivized to help other people. Here's the funny thing. The next thing he says, be fruitful, multiply. Then he says, fill the earth. And it's like, if you fill the earth with value, right? Let's just call it apples because it's easy for people to understand. You have lots of apples to trade. So you're holding all of your money, not in cash, but in apples. So what do you do? You trade that for the other stuff you want or for the medium of exchange money, right? And so you can't possibly, for those of you parents who are struggling with, hey, God, money, entrepreneurship, how do I balance my desire to really create a great family for myself with money, right? And my desire to please God with my life. God said, fill the earth. So that means you don't stop multiplying until you until the value that you're producing in the world has touched everyone. Your job is to change the world, right? And this, this goes back to my story because, my, and this is just my dysfunction, I mean, I'm sure not everybody who's listening has this dysfunction, but I believe that God would just like drop it, give it because it was good. But the reality was we have to figure out, this is like first thing, like whether you believe the Bible's inspired or not, in, in this super awesome book that most of the world looks to and is like, wow, this is really deep and good. The very first thing he says is be fruitful, like create something of value in the world, but don't stop there. Reinvest what you're receiving so that you get more. And then he says, don't stop there, but actually fill the entire earth because this is the way that you make the world better. Add more pleasure, take away more pain. And like, it's a spiritual principle. And so when I failed to live out that principle in my own life and tried to be nonprofit and not worry about money, not that there's anything wrong with being a nonprofit, the way that I was doing it, money was not a part of the equation and you absolutely cannot build a movement to change the world without money without adding value without being able to trade and exchange to get the value you need 
to serve the people you're trying to serve, it absolutely will not happen. So if you have a money problem, um, stop that nonsense because uh, it's God's plan to change the world. That was a good two minute rain. I like that. <laughs> that was, uh, that was strong. And so, um, if, when you went to originally kind of attack the problem, you went into it, into the teen world, right? Like to, to start there. And I also started with that as a premise in my head, but for what I kind of dug into is that I talked to people, a lot of it became, um, the connection between parents because so I know in my world my parents focus on entrepreneurship so what was I at 23 years old I was a, a very successful entrepreneur it took off you know just to be blatant shout out but, to your parents. yeah yeah problem was I didn't know anything about personal finance or <laughs> reserves or you know not building a house of cards so it just you know it, it tumbled terrifically um and so then I had to dive into personal finance and I found that I didn't go to my parents to talk to them. I talked about entrepreneurship all the time. Well, my dad passed away when I was 19, but my mom was also an entrepreneur. And so I got a lot of really great advice from her, but I didn't talk to her about personal finance because we never opened up that relationship. And so I've kind of come at a different perspective is that I believe that the parent needs to be involved to have these conversations. And they, a lot of times the false belief as one of the things you kind of talked about was not having a financial education enough to teach someone even though you're really light years ahead of what they don't know. Have you, did you find that when you went into talking with the teens that their parents were talking to them or not? No, I was in a poverty stricken area, which is very interesting. Here's something interesting to consider. You find that in general, the wealthy talk to their children a lot about money and people in poverty do not discuss the subject other than to say, no, we don't have enough or hey, money doesn't grow on trees. You know, it's hilarious money grows on trees. <laughs> I just gave you an example, fruit, oranges, name that, name that thing that you can then go trade in the world. Money, like value is everywhere. It, it's all in our ability to be the creator of the world that we want uh, in order to like find value and trade value, find, find the market that wants it and serve them with what they want. So to answer your question, I mean, in general, again, the wealthy, they talk to their kids about money. Yeah, so the, it's, not, it's the, not a taboo subject at all. And, and that's one of the reasons that, we, if you're feeling taboo and you're listening to this like th that's something from the past i'll give you an example um can i tell about my daughter yeah absolutely so my daughter emily shea um, when she was 10 years old we were going on a daddy daughter date to olive garden and uh, we're sitting in the parking lot we're pulling up i'll never forget it and she says uh you could tell she was trying to muster up the courage to tell me something which is the whole point of daddy daughter dates right you want you want them to like get real with you and tell tell you what's really going on I have an eight-year-old daughter, and I gotta tell you, when you see that, like that thing, you almost want to like be like, "Tell me," but you gotta just sit there quietly. It's the it, that is literally one of the hardest things in the world. To, like, you have excitement and you want to just get it out of them, but you also gotta hold it back. So I just gonna interject on that because I love that. I, I I love that you guys went on the dad or daughter date in the first place because I did that with my daughter, and it's just invaluable time. Well, this was a game changer because in this particular daddy daughter date, we're pulling into Olive Garden, and she says to me, she says. Anna looks at me, she says, Dad? I said, yeah. She said, I want more money. <laughs> <laughs> and at this stage, like, we, you got to understand, we were running the nonprofit. I was hustling like a madman. Lost you. Freeze. 
There we go. Huh. Lost you for a second. It made yeah, me I'm not, sure, I'm not sure what happened there. It's okay. You can cut that out. Where should I start yeah, again? No problem. So uh going on uh going on the date with uh yeah. daughter. And so you said you were in the parking lot and uh what happened from there? Yeah, so we're in the parking lot and she looks at me and you can tell she was trying to muster up the courage, like I said, and she says to me, She says, Daddy, she says, I want money. <laughs> and my financial life was pretty messed up at this point, but I was I was always an entrepreneur and I was always reading, so I, I knew not to like discourage that. And I said, I said, I said, well, join the club. I said, uh, go get some. And she said, I can do that. She said, how do I do that? And I said, start a business. And she said, I can start a business. And I said, yeah, you can start a business. She said, how would I start a business? I said, well, what do you love? She said, I love sleepovers. Cause she's like, she's actually nine at this point. I don't think she was quite 10. I love sleepovers. And I'm like, cool. Could you help other little kids have the perfect sleepover? And she really did throw amazing sleepovers. Her and her mom, like, they did some killer sleepovers. <laughs> and uh, she's like, yeah, yeah, I could do this. And so the whole date we spent talking about a business plan for her to start creating perfect sleepovers and doing videos and all this other stuff. And she realized, like, as soon as she made the plan, she's like, dad, if you make some green stuff, I'm going to need some green stuff because I need videos and I need this and I need that which by the way is one of the biggest limiters that most people have the money. They're like, I can't make money because I don't have money. That's nonsense. Like money is made from nothing. Like you, money is made from the creative power in your head. Like you have all the resources you need and so do your children to make the money that you want. And so I didn't allow my daughter to believe that. I said, well, what could we sell to raise the money to get the things you want to do the bigger vision? And she's like, well, what could I do? And I thought, you know, this is a good one for parents. What does she need to learn? I'm like, if she just learns to persuade, if she can learn to convince people to join her in her vision, she's going to be okay. This is what I can teach her as a father. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, you need to learn to sell, mm. which again, sales is normally an ugly word, right? It's normally a bad word. It's like, you got to get past this stuff because everything is a sale in your life. Like they've been, sell they say that babies start manipulating their parents from the moment they come out the womb, they start figuring out how to cry, different cries to make to get the parent to do the thing that they want. <laughs> yeah. so you try and squelch sales because you think sales is like used car salesman stuff, but in reality, everything you're doing in, in your life, including the relationships you're in, has all been a sale, okay? So anyways, so I figure I can teach her this. So she starts going door to door and we start making her cookies. So day one, teaching her how to pitch, going to businesses, sell her little cookies, her mom could not keep up with the cookie production. She was making $65 an hour. And the only reason it wasn't $100 an hour is because we couldn't get the cookies out fast enough. We'd come, get a bunch of cookies, go out. They'd be sold before we could get back to, to get the next batch. And so we're like, oh, my goodness. And she's like, Dad, we need to do something that we're not dependent on mom cooking cookies all day. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> she's ready to scale. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, we can either go to a cookie factory or we can find something else to sell. She said, well, here's the thing. She's like, can we sell something else? So we started going to, she went to the pizza man and she tells the pizza man, hey, I'd love to get the word out about your business. Let me sell some of those cards that you have that give them a free thing and I'll start selling cards out. I'll keep the profits and you keep the pizza profits. He says, no, but I'll sell you the, the cards for a dollar a piece. So she got those little discount cards from pizza mm -hmm. places like they use fundraisers. And she started going door to door. She got really good at it. Guess how much she was making an hour? About a hundred bucks an hour. Then wow. we're like, about a couple months into that, she's like, dad, 
I don't like this because I'm not getting the word out about my business. I'm getting the word out about their business. How do I get the word out about my sleepover business? This is 10 years old. These what kids a, get it. What a journey, dude. That's awesome. <laughs> so what she do? She wrote a book. I said, well, write a book. She said, I can do that? Yeah, you can do that. You want to write a book? Let's do it. I interviewed her. We did this whole thing. She wrote a book. She started going door to door selling her book. She made $20,000 going door to door selling her book. That's so awesome. But it's just that I, can do it. you didn't put the limitations on there. That's right. That's one of the things that I talk about so much is don't tell your kids they can't do something. If they say, I, I, I want to do this, say, all right, let's go. Even if it's a bad idea, even if you think there's going to be limitations or you say, well, you can't do cookies because you got to have a license and you can't do this because your mom has to do it. No, 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 no. All right, let's do it. And then let them find the problems along the way because it's not really the teaching them of, you know, and sales, don't get me wrong. I love because it has, it can happen in every business, but really what you're teaching them is, okay, let's go find problems and solve them. Absolutely. Run until you find a problem and then solve it and then pivot if you need to pivot out of something different. And if you, like you said, you know, that's, she, just even the fact of having the gumption to go to a, a business owner and say, Hey, I want to sell your stuff. So when people talk about it, like you mentioned earlier, not having the money or the resources, then sell someone else's stuff. That's right. Right. And side hustle it. If you yeah. have to, you know, if you just, I, and, I, and I love that she, you know, you were able to kind of cover so many different portions of that. But the thing that she talked about was I need capital to sell, to do this business is, is just a humongous step that, that for a 10 year old. Yes. And think about this. If you're a parent and you're, and you're trying to help your children, uh, so many, we'll, we'll send them to karate lessons. We'll send them to baseball and softball and volleyball. Why do we send them to all those sports? Do we really believe that they're going to be the next like Tiger Woods or like Derek Jeter or something like that? In general, no. Parents will tell you the reason they're doing it is they want their kids to have confidence, mm -hmm. right? And develop skills. Now, the skills you develop in sports, sure, they're the same skills that you can use in business. Yes, many of those like personal development skills, but I don't know of a better personal development plan on the planet than launching a business. And yeah. kids can do it. Parents get concerned because they're like, well, I don't want them to be all focused on money. I want them to be a kid. Listen, they do it as a kid. You know what I mean? They do it in a way only a kid can do it. And it is hilarious to watch. As Emily started figuring out, and by the way, my other two kids, this is just a good story because it helps you guys see the whole progression. My other kids are now, are now starting businesses as well. One of them's starting, he's Kid Media Master, and he's starting a YouTube business where he's helping other businesses get appointments, and he's like mastering YouTube to get them appointments on YouTube, like an agency, as a kid, yeah. right? Uh, the other one, and then him and his brother are doing a t-shirt business, which, which is called uh, Kings and Conquers, and it's a positive message boy brand. Uh, to encourage boys because they would go on the store and they would only see negative stories about about boys and they'd have positive stories about girls on the t-shirts so they're like dad why don't they say positive things about the boys the boys always thirsty t-shirts say i'm lazy and eat pizza and the girls are like dream big girls can change the world <laughs> I've, got, I've got a girl and i've got boys but the boys were offended and so i'm like cool well create your own t-shirt line and they did they've got t-shirts now and they're i mean Kids can do it. And if you want them to have confidence and build confidence and build skills that are going to change their life, let them in the game. Like let them contribute to society and they'll gain confidence from it. Well, you know, you've mentioned like um, one of the best teaching lessons, you know, is from sports and those kind of things. But also I think it's not just building a business, 
but also realizing what the problems are in the business becomes a humongous confidence teacher because you have to solve problems, you know, and that's, that's basically what you're laying out in front of them is to help their self-confidence. You got to give them problems to solve. You know, if you, if you see a kid and you teach them anything, like my son plays baseball, he's six and he'll be like, I can't do that or I can't hit it. And I'm like, you can, and I'll have him do it three, four, five, six. And all of a sudden he hits it. He's like, oh yeah, I can do this every time now. He's just cranking around on stuff. And it's, and it's just so fun to watch. That's the part you got to let them fail. But the beauty of it is, is that being a parent and then being at home, they don't have the ramifications of trying it at 35 years old with a family at home. Right. Right. Cause you, you, you so like, I always tell people like, you can't be the chef without being the dishwasher. And so it's better to be the dishwasher when you're at home and mom and dad can help you <laughs> along the way, as opposed to if you fail when you're, you know, later in life, it's the, the, the comeback story is a lot harder. There's bigger ramifications. If you fail a cookie business at 10 years old, you might learn some lessons and then you're going to learn some lessons, but you didn't fail at a cookie business at 30 years old with a family depending on you and no food coming in and stress. Right. And so I love the fact that you get started early and I love the fact that, um, you know, if they bring a problem and says, I can't do this, it's you flipping it to how do I do it? And there's two words you use there that I think are, well, there's one of the two words that we don't use in our family that, I, that you mentioned in that story. So I teach my kids uh, and our entire family, there's two words we're not allowed to use in our house. We call them cuss words. They're not cuss words. Don't worry, you won't have to bleep this out. But they're cuss words in our house. And if somebody says them, they are punished. Like they, it's, it, it is not accepted. And the word number one is can't. We don't say can't, right? We figure out a way, like that's what we do. We solve problems. And it's like, if I can't get high enough to wash the dishes, I figure out to go grab a stool. I don't say I can't, right? Uh, so solving problems, like you said, but the second word, uh, and I bet a lot of parents say this word, so um, this may be controversial, but hey, that, that gets more listeners to the show. <laughs> so we don't use the word expensive. We never say the word expensive. I don't like that word. Um, sure, there are things that people are charging more than they're worth for. I get that. But parents and in general, people in the United States use the word expensive far too much. And they ingrain it into their kids. It's everything's too expensive. It always costs too much. They're complaining about the prices of gas and milk and you name it. And it's like you're teaching your kids to believe in a world of scarcity. You're teaching your kids that I should worry more about the expenses in my life than in creating a lot of value in my life. Yes, they should understand expenses. Yes, they should be smart purchasers. But we way overdo in general in the United States, expensive, expensive, expensive. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't buy it. It's too expensive. And it's like, what are we teaching our kids, right? Yeah. We have people literally, like kids on YouTube right now, and I know they're anomalies, but kids on YouTube making 30 million a year, right? We live in a new world where kids can create huge businesses where kids can be financially free before they turn 18 years old. And that's what I dream about for my kids. All three of my kids, like their goals, not mine. Oh, this is important. You say, how do I make it so that they don't work too much and they stay a kid? Here's the answer. You talk with them and you let them set the goals. Mm. I never set goals for my daughter. She set goals. She would tell me how much she wants to make that day before she leaves. My job as the parent is I'm the coach. So she tells me the goal and she commits to it. Cool. Now my job as a coach is to help her get there. Even when she decides she wants to stop in the middle of the day, 
Did you hit your goal yet? Okay, tomorrow you can make a different commitment, but today this is the commitment you made yourself. I don't want you to lie to yourself or to teach yourself to fail to hit your goals, so we're gonna keep going. And she keep going. And you know what she says now, years later? Thanks, Dad. Like in that moment, she went, now she's like, thank you for pushing me to do what I said I'd do. Do you hear her reverberating those things with her friends or in her stories? Yeah, and especially to her younger brothers, which is awesome, right? Um, one book I would really recommend, I had Emily read it at a young age. I have all my kids read it. It's called The Richest Man in Babylon. Yep, yep. So I pay my kids. I learned this from Matt Maddox, uh, who's my friend. Um, he, uh, he paid Caleb $20 for every book that he read, like personal development book. And so they'll ask me, what's the next book, dad? And because I'm their dad, which is another word for coach, it's a much higher level, more intimate level of coaching. But I'm, my job is to like mold this little tree into becoming something fantastic, right? And so I know what they're struggling with. I know that this one struggles with being more confident and this one struggles with like toning it down. And this one, you know what I'm saying? This one needs more discipline. So I can give them the books and it's amazing. They read these books and they start living it out because they're not like us. They're not inundated with too much information. So they're listening to the books and they're like, okay. And they start living it out. My daughter, I hate to say this, but it's true. My daughter is far better at managing money than I am because her whole life she's managed money Yeah. and she read the books and she, she doesn't just read them. They were like law to her. So she lives by it. Like if I go into my daughter's room right now, she has all kinds of different areas in the room where there's a couple hundred dollars hidden here and there and all these little places. <laughs> She's got stuff stocked away everywhere. <laughs> I'm just like, so, so, anyway. That's awesome. <laughs> and she's still clean uh, now, by the way. So, um, yeah. Well, so uh, I, that is fantastic, man. That's, um, so I kind of want to, uh, I want to put it something because I want to make sure we cover it, right? Yeah. I want to talk about where you talk about buying businesses, okay? In your bio and so, um, I am familiar with buying and selling businesses, but it was eye-opening to me because I had no idea that businesses are like real estate. Like there's a purchaser, a seller, a buyer, like there's, you can multiply the value of them. And so I want to dig into that with you. And so how did you get started in it? And can you kind of explain what you, what you do, what you look for, and then how you're, uh, how you're um, attacking it from day one? Yeah, um, those are a lot of questions in one. Yeah. So I think, I think to, to start with, the idea of buying a business to me, there's a company that really inspired me recently um, to, to even go deeper into it than I had been going before. It's funny, I, I, had a, I started a digital marketing agency in 2017 for re real estate agents. And um, I was trying to build that into a really, I, I was trying some crazy stuff with it, let's put it that way. It wasn't just meant to be a cash flow business for me, it was meant to be kind of a big corona. And uh, that failed. Um, I won't go into the whole story, but it failed. Like I just, uh, and that hurts, right? And <laughs> at the end of that failure, and businesses fail, like it's I got, okay. I got like, 10 of them. <laughs> yeah. I got 10 of them that didn't make it, so. Let me, just, let me just tell this story real quick. It's part of what we're saying. One of the things that um, I was able to do because Emily was like lighting the world on fire. She now speaks around the world. She spoke with Tony Robbins and Russell Brunson and uh, all kinds of the like sharks from Shark Tank and New York Times bestselling authors. Imagine that for a confidence builder. Anyway, 
So um, one of the places, she was able to pitch one of the sharks, the original shark from Shark Tank, his name's Kevin Harrington. And uh, we went to his house and he was just so impressed. She had pitched thousands of times her book. She already knew how to pitch. When she sat down to do a pitch, she, she blew him out of the water because she had already done it thousands of times pitching her book, right? It was just changing the product. Anyways, here's my point. Kevin Harrington said to us, he said, look, he said only one, of five, one out of five of my businesses really work. One or two fail, one or two break even, and one just crushes it. He's like, the only difference between me and you is I take more swings of the bat. There you go. So that, with that philosophy and mindset, after the digital marketing agency failed, I was like, you know what? Um, what do I want to do? And it's like, I want to buy companies. Like, I know marketing. I know how to multiply things. Like, I get it. I, and it can apply to almost any style of business. And I thought, I'm just going to go buy a company. Like, this one just failed. I'm not going to start at the bottom again. I'm just going to go take one that's already in existence and blow it up. So I found a company. Somebody had been reaching out to me to help. They were doing about $70,000 a month. And uh, I said, I'll double you. In probably 30 days, I'll double your business. And he's like, no, you won't. He's like, I've been working at this for years. And I'm like, I will. I'll do it in probably 30 days, maybe 60. And he's like, how do I know it's not a trick? You do it one time, the next. I'm like, look, give me 50% of the business. I'll double you over time. We'll triple and then quadruple, et cetera. We'll grow it. You've got a great product. He said, well, let's, let's do this. He's like, how do I know it's not a trick? I said, cool. How many times do you need me to double your revenue? Like how many months? And he told me how many months. And I said, cool. When I hit that month of doubled revenue, then I'm 50% owner of the business. And he's like, yeah. So it was literally a sweat equity deal. It's like yeah. buying a business of money down, right? I went in, uh, I think it was, it was either 30 or 45 days. He had, he, it was 150,000 in revenue. And he's like, huh, right? <laughs> <laughs> then two months later, 150,000 in revenue. And he's like, oh my gosh, you know? So um, we did that a couple of times. I proved to him and then I was 50% owner, right? And so that's a way, some, some business owners want out, some business owners want to stay, some business owners want to continue to be the attractive character and there's just one challenge. I just, uh, I can come in and be a rainmaker. So that, that's way number one is just coming in and you can immediately become a partner, get your piece in, and then build the team around what I'm doing so that I don't have to do it anymore. And then we're just constantly getting revenue. So I, I want to interject on something about that because um, for listeners, if you're listening to this and you know, they say, Oh, well you doubled the revenue, but you took half the company. The, how did he break even? You know, that must've been the same thing, but I want people to understand that like business valuations are multiples. So let's say the company was worth, I don't know, $200,000, right? And now all of a sudden you're like, oh, you double the revenue. So maybe it's worth $400,000. That's not how it works. It's a multiple. So the business could be worth a million dollars now. And even though he gave up 50%, he went from being valued at 200,000 to 500 grand. So he two and a half his, he two and a half his, his, his equity. And then, and then when you doubled again, I mean, but it's a multiplier. So I want well, people to last month, just to give you some perspective, he did a uh, 220 something thousand. So we're, we're at over triple now. Yeah. You're three X and, but that three X now becomes a three, a three to four X of the company for the valuation. So it's a 12 X in value. And that's you, you want me to explain multiples real quick. Cause uh, that, yeah. that's, that's the game. So, so for me now, my goal over the next uh, two years is to buy 20 companies. And when I say buy, I don't mean partner. I mean, hundred percent owner in them. And so when we're buying companies, what I'm looking for is companies that I can buy at somewhere between a two and a three multiple. They're companies that are say doing a million net that I can buy for two or three million, okay? So now what happens is, is 
let, let's say I'm buying a lots of companies in the same space. Have you guys ever heard of mergers and acquisitions, right? So what that is, is you take one company in a space and then you bring out another company in a similar space, kind of doing the same thing. Now I'm going to use the same marketing strategy in both pieces. It's just different messaging. So I buy another company and I do the same thing for both companies and I'm growing them. Then I buy another company, right? Now I'm growing all of them. Let's say I didn't grow any of them. Let's say I failed at growing and I just held them steady. Well, if I have a company that's doing a million net and I buy it for 3 million, okay, now, now I've purchased for 3 million. I've got 3 million in value. I'm getting a million in, in net revenue per year before obviously interest and, and debt and stuff like that. Okay, now it's next, next company. I buy it for a million. I buy it for 3 million, it's doing a million. Now I've got 6 million in value. I buy another company, it's doing a million. Once you get to about, it doesn't even have to necessarily be, but a good rule of thumb, once you get to about 10 million net revenue uh, from the companies that you bought all put together, that company is sold on a 12 multiple in general, just rule of thumb, different companies, et cetera, a 12 multiple. Well, think about that. If I could buy 10 companies for 3 million a piece, I spent 30 million. Now I didn't spend, I didn't take 30 million out of my pocket, but I, whatever I needed to do buy them, just like real estate, you can use leverage, et cetera. I bought 30 million in companies, but by putting them all together and just staying the same, they're now worth 120 million, right? If I increase, let's say I doubled all of them on average over the course of say three years. Well, now they're all doing 20 million times 12. That's 240 million. I paid 30 million for them. Yeah. And one of the parts of that too is that there's a portion of synergies and efficiencies, right? So you don't need 12 CEOs. You don't need 12 CFOs. You don't need 12 HR departments. You don't need 12. Well, you might need a bigger HR department, but you don't need 12 of them. And so, um, you know, you end up in cost efficiency. So just even putting them together again, you're going to, you know, the, the net is going to grow whether the top does usually in that situation in the first place. So, and that's well, uh, one other thing to I'll just tell you a quick story that I hope you guys understand it. There's a company called Gracio, T-H-R-A-S-I-O. And what they did is they focused in on Amazon brands. And so they were focused on new entrepreneurs who had built up a brand to a certain point and they would be kind of stuck. Cause once you get to about a million, there's, there's new challenges. There's new systems that need to be made, hiring. There's all kinds of challenges when you're at that million dollar level. And so what Thracio did is they find companies that were doing well on Amazon or at least a million net per year. I think it was net, could have been gross. And they buy them, okay? And they just, they give the owner like a million dollars. Now suddenly that person, they probably weren't doing a million and keeping a million, but now they're a millionaire. And they yeah. were like, sweet, I'll go, yeah, I'll take a million and move on. So they bought 48 of those companies over the course of two years. Their company is now valued at $780 million. They paid 48. They have one team that does the same thing for all these different brands, just different messages. It's almost like having your own agency, marketing agency that's built to grow companies. Then you buy up companies that will fit inside of what that agency already does. Keep growing it, growing it, growing it. So you have one big thing and then 780 million two years later. So that's basically what I'm doing. I haven't set my goals to 48, but I want to buy 20 companies over the next two years that are doing at least a million. And that's, uh, you know, that's, that's part of almost what you're teaching with your kids, right? Like think bigger. It's not impossible because people listening are now like, Oh, okay. Like I'm going to buy a $3 million business and I, you know, but you, you didn't start off. Nobody walked into, 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 you know, uh, the, the Aaron household and was like, Hey, uh, here's how you do this. Right. Yeah. You just start figuring it out and you start listening to things and you start following people that are doing it and whatever you want to accomplish, you can follow other people that have done it previously. 
right? They've already set the path. Information age. If you acknowledge <laughs> your limitation, wake up and smell the coffee. Like you're on a podcast right now, listening to information, right? It's that that is not the money is not the problem, and knowledge is not, is not the problem. Here's usually the problem: deciding for most parents or business owners, making the decision that I'm going to go after this goal. This is who I'm going to help. This is who I'm going to serve. This is my objective, and this is how it makes the world better. Like. If you will just make that decision and then go after it, it's amazing how the pieces will come into place to help you make that a reality. Yeah. And if you sit back and wait for the roadmap, it's not coming. You just make yeah. the roadmap. You follow, you follow the things other people are doing and you try and you go out. And that's why the success, like he said, you know, with taking more swings, like, you know, don't talk about the time 15 years ago that you took a swing. Like, go take a swing, you know? And, you know, you're, you mentioned like they had an agency that failed. It was 2017. It's not like it was 20 years ago and you're recovering and all that stuff. You're like, that one didn't work. So now I'm going to try this, you know? And it's like, you just have to have that perseverance and, and take the action. You know, you mentioned decide for me, I always say take action because I hate the part of the people say, Oh, well, I don't, I don't know how to do something. Well, you don't need to know how to do something. Like you need to just be able to go out and start doing, you know, start finding, start looking, start other people will tell you how to do it. That's a great thing about people who've been successful is they love talking about what their success was along the path, right? Yeah. So you'd be a lot more surprised of how many people, if you reach out to them, will be more than happy to help you. And where you get your financial information or your financial guidance, because every single person on the planet will gladly give you financial information and financial guidance. <laughs> Pick and choose where you get it from. <laughs> That's all I'd say. <laughs> right? So if somebody has a lifestyle that you want, take their information. <laughs> And by the way, for those of you interested in buying, when you look at buying businesses and stuff like that, or even think of those things, two things. One is, where do you get your information? Find something that's already proven. You don't have to recreate the wheel. Yes, Gracie already did it. I'm just repeating it. By the way, you know who did it before that? Buffett. <laughs> like, yeah, he's still, he still doing it. He just keeps getting bigger and bigger uh, uh, business guns, right? Like he tells them now he's an elephant hunter. Like he only buys gigantic businesses, but he didn't start his business. <laughs> you know, it was a, a textile business and then he bought Geico, you know, yeah. and now that little lizard is just paying dividends. That's it. That's it, man. And, uh, Hey, listen, just, I've had a blast talking with you. Um, if you know, our listeners want to find out more about what you're doing, you know, how, how should they connect with you or what, what would the ideal person look like to try and come in, uh, and, and follow along with you and reach out to you? Well, there's two, there's, there's only two things I do, by the way, the, usually the more effective you get, the less you do. So I keep working on doing less and less and less like intelligently. Don't get me wrong. I'm not lazy. Um, <laughs> means, but there's only two things I do. One is I'm looking for companies to buy. If you're doing over a million dollars net and you're looking to uh, sell, then I'm looking to buy. And the second thing is, is if you're a, um, I have a specific group of people I'm really passionate about God fearing entrepreneurs, people who um, you probably picked up on some of that in the show. So I help God-fearing entrepreneurs multiply their business. And we have a little group called The Multiply Group on Facebook. You can either go to themultiplygroup.com or you can just search The Multiply Group on Facebook and you'll find us. And uh, we're, we're there talking about God, money, and entrepreneurship. And uh, to some, that's blasphemous. But to us, um, that's how we're joining God and his vision to make the world better. And so I invite you to meet me there. That's it, man. Bringing the value and helping people and helping them show the path along the way is... Uh is, you know, that's been my personal calling to try and try and make my, my dent in the world and, and make it a little better than I found it, you know, and uh, I'm happy to hear you doing the same thing. 
And um, so make sure I'll put the, I'll put that down in the show notes as well. So that if you want to, uh, you want to come check it out, then uh, look up Joseph Aaron and, and find him out there. But right now, uh, you know, money talkers, take this opportunity to re-listen to this if you need to, because we went over a lot of subjects pretty fast, but a lot of great, um, you know, a lot of really great golden nuggets in there about what raising the kids and then also a, a totally different subject about um, creating opportunity through purchasing businesses. So thanks again um, and get out there and have a money talk. Thanks everyone. We'll see you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Money Talkers with me, your host, Cody Laughlin. If you found this episode helpful in your pursuit of financial dominance, it really helps if you make sure to leave a five-star rating and share it with your friends or family members who could use good financial information and entrepreneurial success tips. I invite you to join the Money Talkers community Facebook group. Open Facebook and search for Money Talkers to join today. Follow us on Instagram at the Money Talkers for inspirational mindset posts, encouragement, and investing tips. And remember, the one thing you can do to change your kid's financial future is to start talking about money with them because you are a money talker.